Hello, everyone. Welcome back to The Circuit. I am Ben Beharin. Greetings, programs. I am Jay Goldberg. So we want to talk broadly and specifically on some topics or a topic we've danced around before and mentioned, but specifically arms potential in the data center. Um, I mean, out of a number of events we've had over the summer, whether they be from Intel slash uh, AMD discussions around uh, different broad broad trends in data centers from those in, in networking, there's this topic keeps coming up about ARM, and specifically when we say ARM, we'll clarify this in a little bit, we're talking about CPUs, because ARM is all over the data center, but we're talking about ARM CPUs. So last week, um, Ampere, a company that if you're not familiar with, you should you should be, Ampere Commute Computing, um, who is for right now the leader in merchant silicon of uh, data center ARM-based silicon, had an event. Uh, Jay, you were there. Um, I was off the grid somewhere in northern Minnesota um, being eaten alive by mosquitoes, which is the state bird of Minnesota. Uh, that's another story. But um, you were there. So what, what were some of your, your takeaways from Ampere's cloud and sustainability event? So I think the most significant news that came out of the event was Larry Ellison joined by by Zoom and uh, you know Larry Ellison, the founder chairman of Oracle, and he he had a lot of interesting things to say about ARM and the sort of changing nature of compute. And then he pointed out he had he had two interesting facts. One, he said uh, they're buying billions of dollars of CPUs from AMD and Ampere. Intel's not wasn't on that list. That was noteworthy. And two, he said that they've now, Oracle has now ported its core database software to run on Amp, to run on Ampere. And I think that is hugely significant. It got some coverage in the press, but I don't, I think, I don't think people really understood how important that was because, we, and we've talked about this before, the, the challenge for ARM getting in the data center for a decade has been the software barrier. Everybody's optimized their software to run on x86. They've been doing that for 20, 30 years. Getting it to run as performatively on ARM is a, is a big burden. It's a big obstacle. And the fact that this big, big code base with a lot of legacy dependencies and you know something that's built into the infrastructure of so many companies, I mean, really, really has to be super reliable, super critical, down deep in the bones of so many companies. The fact that this is now running on Ampere, on ARM, is is a big deal, right? This is, right, when 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 I was trying, when I was at Qualcomm and we were working on data center software, you know, we would be happy when much smaller companies ported over. Like that was the big effort. And we always said uh, Oracle, right? you know, that'll never happen, right? right? And the fact that Oracle is now on board is a huge milestone in terms of software portability to, to ARM. That's a yep. huge achievement. Yeah. So the thing that makes that I thought about when I when I saw that um, was, you know, it 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 makes sense because Oracle's databases have generally be been in the category where we actually do, I think we you and I agree that that um, ARM and and Ampere in this case 
are well positioned, which is with cloud native applications. So that's web databases, that's e-commerce, that's um, you know any number of stuff around websites. But we, we'll loosely call this term cloud native, which, which is also why it's no, no coincidence that Ampere's positioning for their product is the world's first cloud native uh, processor. But by focusing on that segment, which I think, again, has generally been Oracle's um, bread and butter, it makes a lot of sense that, that they are the default for a lot of those systems that, that people run. So I thought that was interesting. But, but I also think it's interesting to really look at this segmentation of workflows in the data center and essentially ask this question, which is, from an ARM-based CPU standpoint, and we'll get to NVIDIA in a minute because they're a counter to this point that I'm going to make, but from an ARM-based CPU standpoint, these are the areas where ARM does feel well-positioned, but are they going to address other parts of the workflows? It may not be a big deal. It might be fine that they're well-positioned in, but I think the broader conversation is, is that the role? Is ARM's role in the data center really... Uh, cloud native workflows, or is it a broader story? Yeah, so that's a that's a lot to unpack, and I think I, I so when I again when I was back at the data, in the data center group, we were very careful to look at what workloads would run on our parts and what wouldn't, and there's a pretty clear distinction. Anything that was a little bit more complicated, a little bit required a few more layers of instructions was still going to perform better on x86 than ARM. Mm -hmm. But that was, you know, five, six years ago. And I think most people would, would argue now that ARM cores are, I shouldn't say ARM cores, but ARM systems are competitive in terms of raw performance right? for most workloads. They're probably, I don't know about probably, there may be some applications that are still a little bit better for x86. Um, but the, the, in, I think in terms of most workloads that are run in data centers today, ARM is fully competitive. And there are probably some, and there are unquestionably some where ARM is going to outperform x86 and vice versa. Right, right. And and the fact that Oracle, I mean, Oracle would have definitely been in that category of, you know, out of, out of, out of bounds five years ago. And now it's not a question. So I, I think it's, ARM is pretty fully competitive across the data center now with x86. And that's a big achievement. Now, if you want to talk about cloud native, um, I, I'm a little, I, I get nervous with terms like that because it, it, it what exactly does it mean? I, I, I haven't been able to get anyone, I haven't been able to get two people to give me the same definition of cloud native. Um, mm, I know, a good point. I know it, it was, it was definitely noteworthy at AMD's event. They did their public analyst event, what, two, three weeks ago now where they started using that term too. They started calling the, their their products, you know, cloud native, support for cloud native applications. And they put up this incredible uh, eye chart of a diagram with all the logos of companies that are running cloud applications. Um, hundreds, of, hundreds of companies that are sort of designed for the cloud. And okay, I, I, guess, I guess that's how we're gonna compete now. Um, but the fact that, our, that AMD, you know, f firmly in the x86 camp is, is using that terminology too, uh, just shows that this is where com competition has moved. 
So I get, so let's 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 back up then and sort of talk about this. I I think when people are talking about cloud native, they're essentially saying um, cloud like primary cloud based workflows, which is again right. It's it's hosting your website. It's your database of e commerce. It's you could argue right. Tough. We talk about YouTube. You know, is a cloud native s- service solution software. It's running in the cloud. Now, this this is more expansive than just these things that we're talking about because we could make large arguments that generative AI is for the large part right cloud cloud native or cloud first, but that's not something that that Arm's really talking about yet to the same degree. Um, but I I take it to be those web you know internet applications software that's running on those backends that that's generally where they're positioning themselves. Now, now again, that's a great, a great workflow, right? You've got Intel and AMD. They always want to talk about, yeah, you know, um, Alibaba or Tencent run on their, their stores or e-commerce run on Intel platforms or whatever. So they always use those because they're important workflows, but they're not the only data center workflows. And that's why I sort of use this segmentation of the data of the data center terminology to say, yeah, you've got cloud native, now we're starting to talk about AI and ML, and there's a whole host of other applications. You got telecom, you've got you know uh, other things happening in the cloud. I guess that's how I look at cloud native when they say it, specific to those types of web first, internet first, cloud applications. Yeah, I, so I've been I've been reading up on the history of Nvidia a bit for another product I'm tinkering with, and I I think for me. This idea of cloud native really speaks to sort of the history of software and where we are today, right? Originally, software was built for, you know, for fairly monolithic systems, you supercomputers, right? And and everything was on-prem. We moved to the cloud where, by definition, you're sharing resources and you have to divide up workloads. And I think... You know, we can we can debate when that really happened, but it's sort of the early two thousands when we started to think. I think software companies started to think differently about how to architect and build their software, because they knew they were going to start transitioning to the cloud, and that meant distributing resources differently and sharing things up. And once you're sharing resources, uh, you can it, it changes the way you want to build the software, right? And I think the 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 one word to summarize all that would be parallel parallelizing things. Right, and you think of the big the big steps that sort of took took to get us to move into the cloud were things like uh, Bigtable from or B, from Google. Right, Google had all these database tools that they came up with that that fragmented their database in ways that people were really uncomfortable with in the early days, uh, but were really lent themselves really well to being run in the cloud, distributed, parallelized. You have break everything into really small tasks, and then you and those tasks are fairly common, and you sort of divide that up among commodity or common compute resources. And then, so the natural extension of that is to find things that run well on GPU, right? We had, and so we had Bitcoin mining, it was, was the first one. And then now we have AI and neural networks, which lend themselves really well to small cores doing fairly straightforward, simple math. And I think that's, that's a pretty significant change. And so now, now we're, we, that's, everything's in the cloud. And so we're, we're sort of this idea of building everything in parallel is getting more and more mature and people are pushing it into more and more places. And to me, that's what, that's what cloud native really is. 
is taking things that were once sort of thought of as something that would run on a monolithic system and breaking right. them down and bringing them into the to, to into the cloud. Right, right. So to 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 go back to this point though, like it's not. It, it seems like those are the workloads best suited for, and, and I would like venture a guess that a fair amount of Amazon's Graviton uh, instances skew cloud-based. But I just pulled this up, so just to see that the the workloads that that Amazon positions for Graviton are a wide range of general purpose, burstable, computing optimized, memory optimized, storage optimized, and accelerated computing workloads, including application services, servers, microservices, high-performance computing, CPU-based machine learning, ML, inference, video encoding, design automation, gaming, open source databases, and in-memory caches. So it's a fairly robust list, right? Some of those things are not straight very specific to cloud native cloud first, but just going back to this, people are using that terminology. I think again, to say this is a segment of the data center. These are workloads that we're focusing our products for. And those cloud first ones, whatever we bucket we put in has been where most of the arm discussion has been today, not limited to, but most of has been today. I see it almost as, as kind of the, in inverse of that, in that cloud native is bringing almost everything into the cloud. Yeah. Where right. things that at one point in time didn't really lend themselves to the cloud are now being re-architected so that they do, greatly broadening the scope of, of applications that are really well suited for the cloud. And, and the fact that now x86 and arm are both marketing around this idea of cloud native i think yep. highlights I, I think what that really means is that everything can run on both now yeah yeah i think that's where that's where we end up they're probably like i said there's you know at either end of the spectrum there are probably some that run better on one versus the other right. but there's a lot of there's a lot of ground that's super competitive yeah i i think m- maybe the other thing this makes me think about is the reason that this terminology gets used is because that's the battle that in this case Ampere wants to fight first. You know, I, I know that they have um, PyTorch running on some of the, on some of their processors as workloads, so they can clearly do inference and to some degree machine learning. Um, you know, they I've had some chat with them on that, and and it benchmarks really well and it's competitive. Now, granted, that's just PyTorch, but still, it's a relevant relevant so- software for that. But I think this these cloud applications are where they're you know choosing to pick these battles which is why that language gets there first because because again right you, you want to segment your product and say I've got a product line it's designed to do this that's exactly why you know the thing we were at with AMD is they're trying to say these are our cloud native you know emphasized processors this is the skew for this they have others but they're trying to make sure their product is positioned accordingly within a segment of that market yeah, I think I think that makes sense. I think, I, I think, I think what is is happening now is the 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 balance has really shifted, or I don't know if it's, I don't know if shifted is the right word, but what we've really come to the point where is a lot of these things that people want to do are are bound by software 
right? I think in, in not so long ago, things were compute bound. And now yeah. it's sort of upside down where the, the real challenges, especially, and I'm really thinking of AI here, where the real challenges are are in the software side of things. And getting that right is is what's is proving challenging to people because your your compute is now competitive. Like you, everybody's compute is super, super competitive. What's really going to differentiate is how it works with the sort of software that runs on it. Mm-hmm. And the battle will be to get more and more resources optimized for one versus the other. And I, th- I think that could be where this is, this is headed is we, we're at sort of parity now in terms of performance between x86 and ARM. Does the market shift one way or the other where, or does it, does it shift even further where ARM just starts building its lead and extending that further? I don't, I don't think that's the case, but it is certainly something that's in the realm of the possible now where ARM starts to get more and more of an advantage over x86. Right. I mean, and I think that's, sorry. So let's, let's back up then to a question we talked about uh, before we started recording. So Oracle has, um, they're not going exclusive Ampere, but they are building in a, a, a big chunk for this. We know that roughly ARM makes up somewhere between three and 5% of CPU today in the data center. That's between Ampere and, um, and Graviton. But like we talked about, so is, is, is the momentum potential with Oracle, is this an inflection point or is it really just going to be limited to Oracle? Like Oracle will, will yes, move market share. Does it expand beyond that? Um, or is this kind of a turning point inflection point for ARM when it comes to server CPUs? Right. I, I mean, the other way to think of, I, I've been thinking about this is, is this, is this a turning point for ARM adoption in the data center or is it, you know, the high watermark? Right. And I, I don't know the answer to that. I mean, I think it, um, I mean, I, and to be specific, I'm really talking about CPUs, right? Cause that's the, yes. that's the big question, CPUs. right? Right. G- GPUs we know that's already ARM. So CPUs, yeah. do they, right? Does, does this do, wh- which way is the ARM share going to go? 5% is not a lot. Right. Uh, but, but then you start to see that it's, you know, there are a lot of other uh, hyperscalers who have ARM CPUs, right? Alibaba for one. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, do CPUs shift more broadly? Right. And I, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I, at this point, I think it's very unlikely that anyone else is going to get into the ARM CPU market. Uh, n- not just because it's, you know, financially challenging, but also because I think the, the whole nature of CPUs is starting to shift fairly dramatically. Um, we're, we're, you know, fu- the data centers of the future are not going to be 100% CPU like they once were. It's going to be a much yeah. bigger mix. And so the role of the CPU in that architecture is is going to be different and it uh, so i i don't think anyone else is going to get into this market just making a cpu there are going to be a lot of other companies that make socs accelerators asics that are that do a lot of cpu like functions but we're not going to necessarily call them cpus yeah uh, and and right but you know at the same time i think we're still going to do a lot of inference on cpu so the yeah. the, 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 de- the almost the definition of cpu is starting to get a little blurry that's true. Yeah, I, I think it's it's 
I think, clear just if you look at the data, talk to the hyperscalers, that um, GPUs are where the training is today, but a lot of future dollars in terms of value is is on the CPU for inference for AI. I mean, I think everybody who knows knows that. It's going to take time. We're in a training world today, but increasingly there will be so much value in inference. And then the question is, okay, yeah, is that the CPU? And, and, and you're right, right? Other than NVIDIA, there's probably no other names who will be out there with uh, in, in a merchant silicon environment for, for ARM-based CPUs, but you've got, you know, Microsoft might be doing something. We know Google's working on more ARM-based ser- ARM servers. So there's more, there's more verticalization that will happen. All of that assumes, and I think is rightly to assume, ARM share of the data center will grow, whether that's through merchant silicon or verticalization. There will be far more instances on ARM in CSPs and hyperscalers than there are today. I mean, I think that's a foregone conclusion. But how far does that go, right? Because X, Intel and AMD are not going to just give up. Right? It's just part of the market, right? They're going to fight tooth and nail. They're going to try to increase their performance per watt. And so at the end of the day, like, and, and I know you don't know the answer. I don't know the answer. These are conversations we have with others. It's really got to boil down to what is the advantage of one of these products over someone else's? Is it just cost? Is it a cost and power? Is it that skew performance and don't worry about power, right? There has to be a positioning because right now I feel like everybody in, in quote unquote cloud-based workloads is trying to do the same thing, right? X86 is trying to be more performance per watt. Uh, Arm is trying to become more again performance per watt, but boost up their performance. So it's kind of like they're all in the same spot. Which one's better? What are the competitive dynamics of those? We don't know yet, but there's this converging there, I feel. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's worth keeping in mind that when we talk about AI, AI essentially runs on ARM today. Right? It, it runs on NVIDIA. And so and NVIDIA runs all that stuff on ARM. right? And so just by default, we know that AI, AI workloads and GPUs are going to increase their share in the data center in coming years. And so that means ARM is going to be carried along with that. So almost just from the, the get-go, we know there's going to be a lot more ARM in the data center in coming years. I think when we start talking about the rest of it, though, and really especially around data center inference, it's an open question. And we've talked about this before. I've written about it before is inference is going to be done on lots of different types of chips. And and CPUs have an important role in that. Uh, we were talking to ARM recently. They made a really good point. They said, much of what we call AI today is just going to get written into other workloads. And those right. workloads are tend to get executed on CPU, right? And so I think that's, that's an important sort of starting point is CPUs aren't going to go away. AI is, does not equal GPU. There's going to be a lot of CPU involved. And so I think that's that's relative positive for the market. But at the same time, I think that those CPUs are going to start looking different, right? And, you know, I, I was talking to one company recently that is building something for AI and it, they, they're building a, the, the rack they have in mind is this crazy combination of CPUs and let's call them accelerators. 
And I, I think that's, it's, it's always going to be, I think, I think we're going to have to have some mix because there's just going to be some things you're going to want to run CPU. Um, but you have that AI functionality in there. That's probably best sort of offloaded to GPU. And so maybe you just, you know, you, I mean, you do what Apple does with their, with their, their A and the M series, right. Which has both CPU and GPU cores in a single die. I think we're going to see a lot more of that as well. So, okay. So you, you, uh, on that point, you said something earlier, earlier today, not earlier in, in the podcast. Um, and, 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 and I would just, and I guess I'm unpacking this as like, perhaps it's an angle or a thesis for, for Jay, but you said, you know, are we moving to a post CPU world? Um, can you maybe just, cause I was going to ask you earlier anyway. So, but now we're just doing this public, like, and let, expand on that thinking. Like, what in your mind, what might that be? If that's a thesis, that we are we moving to a a post CPU world? Yeah, I mean, I was I just to be clear, I threw that out in a conversation we we're having with somebody, and I was deliberately trying to <laughs> be not quite inflammatory, but I was trying to provoke conversation. I I don't think CPUs will go away, but I do think. Uh, the, the exciting part of the industry, and I'm sort of thinking of new companies that are going to start and new products that are going to come out, they're, they're not going to be CPUs. They're going to be something else. And I think that's, right? If you were to start a company today, we, we wouldn't start a CPU company. Right? We, would start, we would start something around AI and it would, the, the chip we would design would be would have a lot of different things in it, but we would, I don't think we would market it as a CPU. We'd market it as some kind of special SOC, right? A system that does multiple things. Even if it's a CPU, you're saying. Even if, so I think what, what's, what's happening is we're, we're increasingly turning towards alternative types of chips mm. to, to run things that used to be handled by CPU. Right. And, and like the, to me, the best example is, is uh, Google's VCU, their video encoding unit that they right. use at YouTube. Right. Right. And I, I, I've, I, I'm obsessed with this chip. I talk about it all the time. And I, I, it's always been interesting to me because it never really got played up much in the press. The information did a good story about it, but uh, you know, there hasn't really been talked about much in the press. And I think that's in part because with the VCU, Google invented a new category and there was no obvious, um, opponent in that fight. There's just a new category. And so it, it was hard to write a good story about it because it, there was no obvious one, you know, who, who they're taking share from. They're not, you know, there's no competitor out there. They're not wiping out some startup. There's just a new category. And ultimately what that really meant though, was they were buying fewer CPUs because they were doing all that encoding work on CPU. And then now they're just doing it on their own VCU. Right. You know, it, the CPU vendors were still selling tons and tons into Google. And so them moving to Google moving to VCU didn't really may not have really registered with the with the sales team at Intel or AMD. They just you know they're still selling lots, but they weren't selling into this. They weren't selling to YouTube, and and I think that's that's what's going to happen more and more. We're going to start seeing VCUs and DPUs and AI accelerators that have some CPU like functionality combined with other things. Yeah, and we're just going to buy fewer. CPUs. I mean, we're, we're getting into the fine points of labeling things. And I think that's, but it's important because there are, it, when we start, when we start the shift, it's going to open up the doors to 
different vendors. Some will right. be new, some will be alternatives who weren't necessarily playing in this field before. Right, right. Um, so let's let's stay on the data center, but let's pivot the angle to arms revenue potential. And and I and I say this within a context of we're all assuming there's going to be an IPO. Server is you know one of those growth areas, and so you, you've got. I've expanded my thinking of this recently because prior I just kept thinking, okay, well then what's the, what's the monetary volume for them in CPUs? But I, I think because arm doesn't make CPUs, so that's an ampere point. Let's, let's look at arm. I think it's interesting to look at their potential when it comes to data center IP and their data center IP is not limited to CPU. We know they have networking components. They've got, you know, a DPU, obviously there's elements of, of the GPU. And so essentially what has to happen is they need their existing customers to use that IP to address existing needs as well as new needs, right? So growth markets, maybe that's an AI accelerator. Maybe that's a, you know, like you said, something like the VCU, like something new, right? So they need their current customers slash licensees to sell more chips, make more chips, generate more revenue for them. Um, and then to some degree, they want some new entrants, which I think you and I agree is going to be harder, right? So what's the, so from an IP portfolio standpoint, I think it's an interesting analysis to say, well, where do they have IP that can span this now diversification of workflows of the data center, like we're talking about. And, and that I think is a easier way to at least start doing some of that analysis than just say, they have to grow in CPUs or the, or their, or their, you know, revenue is not going to grow much um, when it comes to data center. So I think the way that arm will frame it is they are well positioned because they have this broad breadth of IP that can be applied to any workload, right? You're starting, uh, you know, the VCU runs on arm, the, the network, a whole bunch of networking things run on arm, GPUs run on arm. If you're a company that's designing a new chip, you're going to, you, you can go to ARM and build whatever you want, right? It's, a, it's that flexibility that's key. I think they're going to talk that up because that comes in stark contrast to x86, where you're getting a CPU and you can't tailor it or customize it at all. The, the x86 camp is going to say, yeah, only a small number of companies can actually make use of all that flexibility. Most end users, most end customers just want a system that works and is right. fully optimized, right? And, you know, in, in my newsletter this week, I actually have a whole list of like contrary viewpoints, like things where I could be wrong. And a lot of them are blog posts about just the pain and suffering that developers are going through getting their software to run on ARM as well as does on x86. And, you know, mm -hmm. it's it's... it's there's a lot of like really low level bugs, I guess you'd say, or just weird features that people have to learn. And it's, it's, it's a big hurdle to overcome. And I think, I think both, both sides are right. Right. There are a lot of customers who just aren't going to don't care. Yeah. Right. If you're, a, if you're in a bank, you don't care if it's arm or x86, you just care how fast your code runs. Right. But for the big customers, the hyperscalers, they're, they're very cognizant of this and they're willing to, you know, spend the time and resources to get to, to take advantage of that arm flexibility. 
So going back to your question about ARM's opportunities, you know, on you know, in their coming IPO, I think they actually, I, I think the data center side of it, at least, should be pretty encouraging. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a little, I'm a little worried that they haven't been talking about it more, because um, you think that's something they'd want to highlight ahead of their IPO. So I, I wonder how it actually plays out in their numbers. Uh, but absolutely, I think they're well, they're well positioned. And again, I just go back to what I said a few minutes ago. AI is going to get run on majority on ARM, right? Uh, most AI is going to run on ARM for the foreseeable future. And and so that should help their numbers a lot. Now, if we really want to get into it, the, there is this little problem they have with their pricing. Uh, I don't think we need to get into all the details, and I don't think we should until we get their, their filings. But the data center market is huge in absolute terms for silicon. Mm-hmm whatever, $50 billion, $60 billion, whatever number you want to use. But the actual number of units is very small, right? It's millions of units, as opposed to PCs at 200 million units and mobile phones at a billion units. Yeah. Right? Arm, Arm, most of Arm's pricing models are built around, you know, unit pennies per unit. It's a, it's a royalty model. And so it, it's until we see the numbers, I, I don't, it's hard to predict how much of a real financial impact they're going to get from the data center. I'm, you know, I'm sure they charge more right. for Neoverse and their data center cores, but it's right. much smaller units. And so, I mean, that, that's, that's overall my biggest question about ARM's IPO in general is what are they doing to address this pricing issue? They've, they've been contending yeah. with this for years and we're going to find out, I hope, soon. Yeah. Well, and especially because, you know, again, if you go back to my sort of framework, they, they they want their customers to fill more gaps, basically sell more units, whatever it is, right? And and so for them to enable a customer to, I mean, at a good example, a simple example of this, right, is um, you know AMD runs ARM and a lot of their Xilinx products, right? That that happened in I think right. 2018, 2019. So the more successful, I don't know what that revenue model looks, but the more successful AMD is with FPGAs in the data center, that's good for them, right? There's some revenue that gets generated there because it, it's upside, right? So there's all these areas. And I, I mean, I, I would look at this as, as to say, if we believe that there's a TAM, a silicon TAM expansion for the data center that to some degree is driven by AI, then there's going to be dollars to be got from somebody, right? We've had this discussion with around RISC-V. Are, 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 is a RISC-V going to come in and take some dollars of that AI TAM expansion? Is it, you know, FPGAs? Is it going to be the x86 stuff, right? So where do those dollars go? And and ex- any existing, I think Arm hopes, any existing customer says, well, when we go solve that gap, let's do it with some Arm IP. And then for them, right, that's just incremental license dollars that they get, whether it's what you, the model you described, or whether they're actually changing that model, like has right. been rumored, to get more of a cost on a product basis instead of just a royalty base, a small royalty basis. Right, right. And I think that, that this is where data center, this is where that matters tremendously because ARM has to prove its ability to a, extract a larger share of value from this increase in data center TAM that we we're expecting is going to be hugely important to their results, right? Is it all just going to flow to NVIDIA? and AMD, 
or can ARM actually meaningfully ch change its economics? That's that's the big question I, I think over ARM's stock long term. Uh, yeah. But right, because if they're just collecting pennies per server, that's right. not great. No, I, I agree. But but to be honest with you, the I the if you read between the lines of the Qualcomm lawsuit with Nuvia, it it did seem like there was a distinct deal in place that was quote unquote higher when it came to the server product than it would be for a, a mobile product, for example. I, I think the the there's enough smoke to sort of say, yeah, there was a different deal in place for a company that was going after server than, you know, mobile. But your your point is right, right? But but I do. I mean I, I honestly I hope I do hope, just chiming in on this question, that this is a a pivot point, an inflection point for ARM, because there is a lot of upside there, right? And you've seen even just with Ampere, right? Ampere's got deals with um, HPE now, so there's now servers being deployed for both backend on-prem with HPE. Microsoft has done stuff with them now. There's with Azure, for instances, and Windows in the cloud. So there's stuff coming. I, I just think it's been a really a really slow roll. Hopefully, this is a, one of those moments that might generate more of that momentum, and we hopefully see um, it increase instead of kind of the trickle it's felt like for now. So I do I do hope, right, for for sake of competitiveness. And diversity in silicon, I hope that that's a a a, a point, a pivot point, or a, or an inflection point for for ARM when it comes to server CPUs. Yeah, I, I and I think that's fair, right? And uh, just to be clear, when I say pennies per server, I'm, I'm joking. It's 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 more than that. It's you know it's yeah. dollars per yeah. server. But still, you know, in, Nvidia selling GPUs for ten thousand dollars a piece, twenty thousand dollars a piece, forty thousand uh, dollars a piece. Right. It's right. Right. <laughs> it, 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 it certainly seems reasonable that ARM should ask for a bigger cut of that. Yes. Right. Yes. Right. And especially because it's lower the, volumes, like you said, it's lower volumes and and how, how their ability to extract that value is going to be very important for their stock. And it's and it's I, it's going to probably be more than just Qualcomm that ends up in court over this. It's going to be a big, it's a big fight. It's a big, you know, it's, it's they're fighting over real money. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Good, good topic. I'm glad we dove more on this. I, I will in advance tease everybody. I cannot wait until we see ARMS S1 and we get to talk yeah. about that in, uh, in length on the circuit. So, uh, so good. Look forward to that. Thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, until next time, we'll talk to you then. Thank you, everybody. Click like, subscribe, tell your friends. 